But the thing that I'm seeing a ton of is those short, fun leagues with the little gimmicks. Yes. With the rum bucket leagues, the beer leagues, the football leagues even are still doing a, a great thing. By getting those, it seems like younger groups in, mm -hmm. the shorter seasons, the yeah. not commitment, people are finding even the shorter commitment, the shorter time frame is turning, you know, they're going to do several of those. Awesome. So thank you so much for coming on today, Jenny. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. We've been planning this one for a little bit, and I think you're going to have some great insights for the audience today. For anyone who has not had the pleasure of meeting you yet, tell us who you are and the organization you're with. I am executive director of the Bowling Centers Association of Ohio. I'm also the director of the Bowling Proprietors Association of Greater Dayton here in Ohio. Okay. Yeah. So there's two different ones, even for the smaller. Yeah. State and the local. Yeah. Very cool. So let's dive in, maybe a little backstory. I'd love to learn a little bit about how you got into the industry and found your way into this kind of unique position that not a lot of states, I'd say most states don't have the kind of unique situation that you guys have, which has been working really well for you guys. So I'd love to hear kind of how that came about. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for having me with you today, Forrest. I appreciate it. Good to be here. Personally, I'm from Dayton, Ohio. So a great bowling town with a lot of bowling history. We have some fantastic centers here and great bowling talent. So, I mean, you kind of almost have to be into bowling from Dayton. Of course, my whole family was involved in the sport. My grandfather was part owner of a center back in the 60s where my dad would come home from the service and be a pin boy. So there's lots of stories with that. Dad was an avid bowler, part-time, had a part-time job at the center that my story started at, which was Belmont Lanes in Dayton, Ohio. Awesome 26-lane center with telescores and over-ground ball returns. Yeah, so throwback. lots of fun growing up there and lots of stories. So just like everybody else, I think, in bowling, I would agree it's the people. The people yeah. just kind of make you feel like a family. And I just really enjoyed my time at the bowling center when I was a kid, just hanging out. And then I started bowling when I was allowed to roll the ball properly. <laughs> I was allowed to start bowling at like 12. So I pulled through high school, Belmont Lanes, worked there as a porter my senior year of high school. Okay. So that was fun. And then sadly, we lost Belmont Lanes in 1996. They closed. So mm. Continued bowling, worked at some centers as a bartender. So bowling was just always part of my life. Yeah. In 1999, a friend of the family actually worked for a staffing agency. And her cousin was looking for an assistant at the Bowling Centers Association of Ohio. Okay. I had no idea what that was. Never had <laughs> heard of it before. But I got an interview and met Pat Morazzi, who is my predecessor. Pat even though I really didn't have much experience, took a chance on me and hired me. I was her assistant starting in 1999. So oh, wow. quite more than half my life yeah. in this with BCAO. Pat was awesome. She was just a wonderful person, an instrumental person in my life that just showed me the ropes. She was fantastic at, as the executive director of BCAO. Mm -hmm. So we became very close throughout the years. I met the proprietors and the vendors to BCAO, which once again, have to say the people, what great people, really another sense of belonging, yeah. kind of a family. So 
I was, I did that in 2014. I took a little time away. Uh, I was kind of my time to go. So I was, took a position as the association manager of our local USBC here in Dayton. And I did that for a few years. And then unfortunately in 2017, Pat Marazzi fell ill very mm-hmm. unexpectedly and passed away very quickly. So that was very hard for a lot of people. Fortunately for me, I was able to kind of step in and help with the transition just because BCAO had lost this great leader and I knew where she kept things and how her, how the yeah. office worked. So when you lose someone like that, you just want to do something. And I felt pretty lucky that I could do something and step in and kind of help them get through that loss. And right. then absolutely, fortunately, later that year in November of 17, the men and women of BCAO hired me as the new executive director. So that's where Mm -hmm. I've sat since 2017 and love, love my job. It couldn't be better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I had no idea. So I knew that you'd been with them for a little bit, but 25 or 24 years doesn't seem plausible. Maybe by the way you look, I didn't think that you've been around that long. That's a really long time to be around an organization like that. It's, I just, I couldn't leave. I can't imagine doing anything else. So it's been fantastic. Very cool. Okay. So a little bit about the journey coming through. Now you're at the helm. Tell me a little bit about maybe some of the things that you guys do, maybe how you do it differently. Because I will say I went to the your annual trade show this year and I was kind of taken aback by the how much of a family it is. And you don't, you were guys giving awards away for people who've been in this association for 75 years. So we're talking about multi-generational family together. And you could really feel that these people were very close and connected and you just felt kind of unique that you guys had this bond. I'm, I'm curious to hear maybe some of how you guys foster that or keep that going or some of the things you do to make that happen in, in, in the state. Sure. I mean, you have to attribute that to the members. They're just, once again, it's a common denominator here, but the people, they're so wonderful. It strikes me all the time how much they're willing to share. They're supposed to be yeah. competitors, but it really just doesn't feel like that. It feels right. like you said, like a big family just supporting each other, helping each other. I've listened to many a nights I've sat at a dinner in a hospitality room, which Ohio is famous for, and listen to these men and women network with each other and talk about not just experiences that they've had and how to get through them, but there was a conversation a while ago what, how much is a game of bowling? And what an interesting conversation yeah. that was. I don't think we ever determined an actual right. answer, but with the electric, with the staffing, with the everything that goes into one game of bowling, it was a very interesting conversation. And I think that these men and women really do see each other as a family and want to assist each other, which I just, I don't know. I Obviously, I haven't worked in many other industries, but it just amazes me constantly the willingness to help each other and get through tough times together. Yeah, it's quite unique because most people are competing. Bowling, Ohio less so, but other states, they're a little more spread out. So there's really only one center in town. So you helping the next guy just elevates the industry as a whole. Ohio has so many per capita that really squeeze in there, which is almost even more of a testament to their willingness to share. But it's definitely not a common trait for industries, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. So many of them slash us are really, we want to help the industry as a whole. And I think that's amazing. Our men and women just are so open to help the neck, the person in the next town or the same town. Right. 
Yeah, and that's a good transition. So tell me about maybe some of the things that you guys are doing to help your members from the association standpoint. Sure. So we, as you mentioned, have an annual event, our convention and trade show, which I think is really our big event of the of the year. We hold it in May. So we try to hold it that same week in May so that it's just after you floored your summer leagues and you can kind of get away a little bit. And we have seminars. We have some educational seminars. We do that a couple of times a year, but you know, our big ones in May. The trade show is a great event. I, as you saw this year, we have a lot of exhibitors who have really folded into that family and the men and women really love seeing them and walking around the trade show. We have a great trade show, I think. So we also hold another educational in November and that is completely free to our members. We bring them in this year. We're going to, I'm excited to bring in the restaurant boss, Ryan Gromfen, just to talk to our members about things in the food and beverage industry. We had last year, we had SBC in to talk about the new lane certification process. Mm. So we try to bring in different, it's not always the same message, right. a lot of customer service in the past, but, and those educational seminars are absolutely no charge to our members. And then along with that comes the networking, the sitting around at lunch or dinner or in one of our hospitality rooms, just networking and getting to know your neighbor, your the guy down the street who, mm-hmm. who has been through something. Um, right. So I would say the educational piece, the in-person events and the networking is just what really keeps us really strong. Here yeah. Yeah. And just having the attendance you guys do too, because not all states have the same strength of attendance you guys have. So having more people, it's a network, it grows to the number of nodes that it has, right? So the more people you have, the more connections and the strength is the size of the network. So I think that kind of compounds itself. Absolutely. I think that they enjoy, we did a survey after our, our most recent trade show and the top two answers of why do you come or the networking and the trade show, but really closely followed behind was a getaway, just to get away from the center. And right. look, more recently, that's been really hard to do. So it's really nice to see that kind of coming back. I think the staffing elements coming back a little bit for them to right. get away. No one works harder than a bullying proprietor. It's true. <laughs> so <laughs> it is really hard to get away, but I they enjoy that to so that time mm-hmm. to, to relax, but still have a little bit of the business aspect. Yeah, a little, especially for someone who's a business owner, it's more guilt-free to go and hang out and you can justify it with you're still progressing the business. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell me then, is there anything you guys do, especially to like get like attendance or like membership through the state? I know you, as far as the percentage of bowling centers in the state, you have a pretty high percentage of members. Like what are some of the things you guys do to get people to show up and to join the association? Like how have you done that so well? Yeah, so we have, we're, I'd like to be a little better in the membership category. We have 67% of the centers in Ohio are members. Yeah. However, interesting, 78% of the lane beds in mm, Ohio, which that's great. That sounds really great. That What that tells me is we're a little underrepresented in small centers. Right. So, and I think small centers really say, oh, that's for the big guys. So I would love to get the message out to those small centers. It's not BPA and BCAO membership. I have small centers that are getting two or three times back their initial investment with Mm -hmm. the Smart Buy program and with just Pepsi and Cisco alone. So it's it's also for the small centers. So again, our events are mostly free of charge. So we say, hey, come on down and 
see what we have to offer. We do charge a little bit for our annual convention, but a lot of those new members, we had a kind of a membership drive this year where we went to some new members who had just purchased the center or had been kind of on the fence about membership. And we invited them to come in at no charge and said, just Mm. come see what we're about. We want you to, we want to show you that BPA and BCAO membership is valuable to you and we want to prove it to you. So we'll see how that goes. I'm really hopeful that we can get them engaged in some programs and just prove to them that what we're worth to their business. Yeah, it only takes a couple connections for them to see. And a lot of this, like you were saying, the smaller centers, they'll typically see a greater <clears throat> relative increase. Right. right. So as far as the business, if you have a smaller base number to get an increase, it's a larger relative amount. So they seem sure. to benefit the most in some regard. They really do. And I think, like I said, the perception is, oh, well, that organization's for the big guys. But really, I've seen so many small centers really flourish and really get a great return on investment. So I guess it's inviting people to the events, getting them to the events and a little bit proactive outreach for maybe new centers that have traded hands or that's about your strategy so far? Yeah. I mean, there's been so many centers who have sold recently. I mean, I can think of just six or eight this year off the top of my head, probably more that I don't know about. And the vast, the, the difference of people who are buying, some of them are bowlers. Some of them have some background in the industry and some of them Mm -hmm. just don't, they just think it'd be fun to own a bowling center and they really have no idea. So it's kind of interesting to show them all that goes into owning a bowling center and being yeah. a bowling proprietor. I think that we really showed our worth during COVID, unfortunately, but we have had a lobbyist, which a lot of states do now, but didn't previously. And we have a, a great relationship with a lobbyist that has been with us since I have been around. So in the 90s, he's been around. He's in Columbus and he keeps our members updated with what's happening currently, what we might see coming up in the future during COVID, obviously. There was a lot of communication and I think we showed our members our worth with just our communication and letting them know things that are happening and that might be coming up in Columbus and further than that even. Right. And the power of a collective, right? If you can group together and kind of push for some kind of change that's needed that maybe the industry knows it is needed that outsiders don't, you come together as a group, you can kind of push that through yeah. as a team. We have successfully fought off a sales tax on bullying. Mm. a couple of times exactly. and the sales tax on bowling currently here in Ohio. And they've wanted to add that a couple of times and we have successfully fought that off and still mm-hmm. currently don't have that. So oh, cool. Good. He's doing his job well then. <laughs> Absolutely. He's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So you had the lobbying piece, anything else you guys are doing for members or for their benefit that ideas for other states or maybe things that people in Ohio don't know that they're getting? We do have a workers' comp program where bowling centers can save up to 53%. So a big chunk of their workers' comp premiums. Hmm. And then that goes along with that. If you have a workers' comp claim, our our partners will help you get through that and kind of go see you through, make sure that you're following up with what you need to help you fight the claim if you want to fight it, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then they have safety programs that you can, they have seminars and just general newsletters that come out with safety information for bowling centers, how to stay safe, how to keep the employees safe. More gotcha. importantly. And then another thing that we have a great relationship with our state USBC. 
So that kind of helps. There's sometimes that that communication breaks down between the proprietor and the local USBC. So it's really nice, our relationship with them. We're starting a a joint program this fall with an adult youth tournament. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully it'll be great. So that just helps them to keep in contact with the other parts of the the state of Ohio they might not have direct communication with. Right. Yeah, you, you guys have a lot going on and just try to keep everybody together. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. So then maybe tell me a little bit about some of the things I like to kind of talk about what's working today is one of the best things that we can kind of share with proprietors watching this program is what do you see in centers that are doing really well today? What are the, some of the things they're doing or maybe things that you hear about or trickle up? I mean, you get to get insights on a large sample size, larger than most. So what are some things that you're seeing today that are working really well? Well, I mean, first of all, BPA membership. You can't not mention that, number one. Yeah. The Smart Buy program that Amy Arcuri and her team has cultivated is just amazing. It's my job to sell that, right? And it's almost hard to do because there's so many programs that are incredible and yeah, that people really don't even deals. realize the credit card processing, the and people think it's just Pepsi and Cisco, but it's so much more. And right. there's so many levels of the benefits to that. And they just do a fantastic job on a BPAA. And the other thing that I have to give BPA a shout out for would be their education. And I don't think, at least in Ohio, we just have such a small part of our membership that's taking part in that education, but it is the ones who just flourishing. I mean, you get your employees to take that online education. In Ohio, we provide for our state members so they can log on at any time of day and get take any of those on-demand courses at no charge. And, you know, about the program that they're now back. So win for everyone. But those education pieces are just fantastic. Aimed towards the bowling industry. I would, I don't own a center. I know a lot of EDs do. I don't personally, but if I did, that would just be part of my onboarding with right. all employees. And even the ones who have been there for a while can get on there, take a little refresher course and learn something. Everybody can still learn, right? Oh, so yeah. those mm-hmm. education pieces are amazing. Other than membership, I would, I think I see bowling's great right now. And I, it's so exciting to see these lanes full and the bowling centers booming. It's really cool to see. I really hope that stays going on for years and years. Right. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I'm seeing a ton of is those short fun leagues with the little gimmick rum bucket leagues, the beer leagues, the football leagues even are still doing a, a great thing by getting those it seems like younger groups in mm-hmm. the shorter seasons, the not yeah. commitment, people are finding even the shorter commitment, the shorter time frame is turning, you know, they're going to do several of those. Yeah. They're just doing back to back. Yeah. <laughs> so I've seen such a boom in that and people having really great success mm-hmm. in those short fun leagues. Yeah. And they tend to be a higher average ticket too. Like they tend to spend a little more money because they're more, they're there more to have fun with friends and eat and sure. drink and they tend to spend a, a little more than the average sanctioned leaguer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those I've definitely seen an increase in those. And it's the nice thing about that also is that it appeals to a little bit larger market, right? So there's a segment of people who are competitive bowlers, but almost anybody can bowl. It's the most accessible sport in the country. I think 70 million people a year, right, right about bowl once a year. So you go to a much larger market of people who are like not really competitive, but they're happy to go in and have some fun with friends. So you really open up who you can target for that. So they fill up quickly. Yeah. 
I mean, our sport is just so amazing. I am not a great bowler. I was a pretty good bowler in high school, but kind of just, it just hasn't become that. I could be better if I practiced and put some money into the equipment, but that's just not what's important. So, but I still bowl and I, people ask me what I average and it's a beer game. That's a great answer. You would have fun. (laughs) And actually yesterday I had some time with my daughter and we went bowling Mm -hmm. and you would think, how fun is that when you work in it? But we had a great time just messing around and having fun. And it's just, I feel like so many people when they go bowling say, Oh, that was so much fun. I forgot how fun that was. Exactly. Yeah. We just want people to go bowling. Exactly. And and that's kind of what we really press on from our, for our clients and from the agency standpoint is that like, once you get them in and and they have a good experience, they're going to come back. It's just not top of mind. Because most people have the same three or four things they do every weekend. And if you're outside of that list, you got to break in. But once you're in the list, you, they're coming back time after time. And I think what's really important, and this is kind of a personal thing for me, but through my years of working in the centers, bartending or just bowling in general, I think a lot of of the problem sometimes a person comes in that's not familiar with bowling and sometimes the person behind the desk kind of treats them like they're not smart because they don't know that they yeah. can't cross the foul line. They don't right. know lane etiquette. They don't understand why you have to have bowling shoes. And I've seen, I don't think it's everywhere, but I've seen people kind of be less than gracious to people who don't understand the sport right. or the activity. And I think it could go a long way to really reach out to those people, walk down to their lane, see if they can be get any help from you or if you can give them any knowledge. I think that little customer service and touch points for each customer that, you know, maybe doesn't understand the industry like we do. We kind of mm-hmm. just take it for granted that this is how it is. Well, everybody doesn't know this is how it is. So right. I mean, if I could give advice to proprietors, it would certainly be to just welcome those people. There's plenty of people centers that do a great job of that. Sure. But through my years, I've just seen people walk away with a sour taste in their mouth because if they walk away like that, it's, they're not just not coming back to that center. They're not coming back, period. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because then they're embarrassed. They're like, like they feel like they shouldn't be there because they don't know how to do it so well. This isn't a spot for me. Yeah. And again, my common theme is the people are so great. Let's show the people who don't know that how great this industry and the people in it are and, right. and have them come back. Exactly. I mean, I've looked at statistics before and the average frequency for like an average bowling customer, if you take whether it's people who are in leagues and are there 30 times a year or more, or people who are there every few years, if you average it out all the visits divided by all the guests, it's about one and a half to two times a year. So it, it wouldn't take much to show someone some kindness, get them in, excited about the sport, have a good time to, to bump that number up just by one extra visit a year. And that's almost double your business. Absolutely. And it's, like you said, it doesn't take very much to, to just say, hey, try this out kind of tip. Sure. Just make them feel welcome and show them why the people in our industry are so awesome. Right. Yeah, I love that. And why bowling yeah. is fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you're eight or 88, you can you, you can come out and bowl. Sure. Awesome. So I know we're coming up close to the top of the hour. I want to be respectful of your time. Let's Talk a little bit about maybe where you see things going. Maybe the next 12, 18 months, I like to kind of get maybe some thoughts of 
trends you see playing out or what you see over the next, like I said, 12, 18? Uh, well, again, I think those short fun leagues are the way to go for those little holes that you have. I've seen some centers who are absolutely full in leagues and they mm-hmm. don't have room for those little short time, short leagues, which is fantastic, right? right. That's mm-hmm. so great to hear. But I think if you do have holes, those are places to go. I feel like drink, drink and food specials, really, we have this exciting new menu item that, that really grabs people or mm-hmm. a specialty drink, alcoholic or otherwise. That's just something special that they couldn't get somewhere else. We yeah. are such a unique facility. I think we should showcase that and really get the people involved. Youth, of course, I think are so important, I think, to grab onto them because like you said, they come back and you mm-hmm. never know when that one youth bowler is just going to love the sport and grab onto it and be that lifetime customer for a center or for the whole industry. So right. I think just, I think we got to keep this going. This We are in a great spot in the bowling industry and however we can keep that going, we've got to. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I think most centers you talk to, they're on an upward trajectory and what factors are contributing to that, it's hard to say, but as long as we can keep this train going, then everybody's going to be in a good spot. Yeah. I think it's social. People <laughs> found out what it was like to not be allowed to be social right? and they, they just want that. They found out that's something that they enjoy in their life. I, I hope that's why, because I hope people just don't forget about that. Yeah. I think it's a good kind of counterbalance to maybe the more kind of technologically driven lives we have where we're sitting behind a computer screen for more or looking at a phone screen for more hours of our life. That becomes a good balance to it because it's very tactile. It's not like overbearing, like it's not difficult physically, but it's bringing people together and it's like an activity and a little bit of a a retro throwback for a a lot of these places. So Absolutely. A lot of people go bowling and say, oh, I I remember when I went bowling as a kid and everybody's Mm -hmm. got a bowling story, right? I listened to Kyle Petty talk at Bowl Expo. Kyle Petty had a bowling story (laughs) and it's just, Nick Saban had bowling stories at Bowl Expo. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody has a bowling story. It's part of everyone's life, which just makes working in this industry so rewarding and exciting. Yeah. No, it's funny because whenever I introduce people, introduce myself to people and tell them what we do who are outside of the industry, they're like, bowling, that's so cool. Like I would have never thought that that's so awesome that you get to work with them. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. sure as you've seen, you go to Bowl Expo and you're like, oh my gosh, all of this is bowling. It's yeah. really awesome. Yeah. So cool to be a part of. It's really grown. I think a lot of centers have gone from more traditional houses to more of the FEC and they really open up what they're able to offer people. Yeah. I've seen a lot of centers taking out lanes, which isn't always what we want to see, but mm-hmm. that revenue, that's not that non-bowling revenue, the I, the escape rooms, the laser tag, mm-hmm. the arcades are just huge yeah. and huge money makers. I think as long as everybody can make sure they, they build up those non-bowling revenues as well so that it's we've got a great product and bowling, but those other things kind of gives people another option. Yeah. It gives you more reasons to bring other people in and it pays for the bowling to be kept up too, you know, like Absolutely. for the upgrades, a better bowling experience, fixing machines and all that stuff's cheap. So the other stuff helps pay for it. For sure. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today, Jenny. This has been a great conversation. I'm sure we could go on for a lot longer, but I know you got lots of stuff to do to catch up. For anyone who's interested in learning more about the Ohio 
association, tell us where we should send them. Our website's the best place, bolohio.com. And then I'd have to give a plug to bpaa.com too, because anybody interested in membership, that's the place to go check out their smart pilot and all of the wonderful programs that BPA has to offer for the centers. It's just, it's overwhelming really. Yeah. Total no brainers. Easy. Yeah, uh, pay for, for themselves sure. right out of the gate and it bring, puts you in touch with people doing the same thing. You can't go wrong. Yeah, for sure. And awesome. Well, thanks again, Jenny. I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. Thanks so much for coming on today. Yeah. Thank you for having yeah. me, Forrest. Yeah. Talk soon. All right. Thank you.